Welcome to the Quits and Giggles podcast, the show that empowers you to quit your nine to five and work for yourself. I'm your host, Lauren Leopold, and I'm here sharing actionable insights on how to start and grow a service-based side business, as well as interviewing incredible women who've taken theirs full time. So plug in and get ready to get inspired. And if you like what you hear, I'd love it if you could give me a five-star rating and hit that subscribe button so you get notified as each new show drops. Let's get into today's episode. So today I am talking to my amazing client, Emily Delara. She is now a coach who helps ambitious but overwhelmed leaders in Web3 thrive. But for years, she herself was a successful but very overwhelmed marketing leader in Web3 and crypto. And she'd always dreamed of running her own business. But fast forward to today, she runs not one but two businesses, also does advisory consultancy, and also has a podcast, Web3 and Thrive. So Emily, hello. Hello. Thank I just you so I think much I've got the dogs to stop barking. Oh, okay. <laughs> Don't worry. We were just having a conversation about yeah. our dogs both barking uh, before we went live. But, you know, it's fine. If he barks, he barks. Don't worry. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so excited to tell your story. First, I want to start by taking you back to July last year, if you can cast your mind back then, to when you first mm-hmm. contacted me. And I want you to tell me what was going on for you back then. How are you feeling? I was burnt out, feeling burnt out, and I just pretty much got laid off from my job um, in Web3, which is quite a turbulent industry. And I um, was wondering what to do next. I'd done a bit of inner work on that, and I'd done a lot of exploration into what that would look like. And then when I came to Lauren, I was like, okay, I want to go into the coaching industry, but I have lots of things to work through first. I need to understand how to even figure that out. That's kind of where I was. Yeah. I was just saying before we went live that I went back and looked at your the notes that I took from our first session. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought it'd be interesting to bring them up now just to see like how you felt then compared to where you felt now. Mm-hmm. You said to me, I've got a ton of self-doubt. I convinced, my, I convinced myself I'm going to do something and then I taught myself out of it. I really sabotaged myself. I'm really shit at selling myself and I'm shit at sales. I can sell a product for other people, but I just can't seem to sell myself. I don't know how to market myself. I really struggle with belief. I definitely want to be a coach in this specific area. Do I need a qualification? Do people even need to be coached in this area? Am I just kidding myself? You said, I really have a lack of focus when I'm working on my own stuff. I jump around too much and I don't want to be doing funny video stuff. I'm not funny or entertaining in my marketing. <laughs> How does yeah, that feel? Does, that, does any of that resonate still or is that like yeah. thinking, looking back on a different person? No, it's like the self-belief stuff that's that narrative has changed completely the self-doubt i fully believe that i'm a good coach and that i can build business and um the marketing self-marketing i don't feel like i have to market myself which is good like i market yeah. an outcome versus me yes yeah and and it's it's really interesting how we go on that on that journey and we can put up so many barriers before we start a business about i can't do this i can't do that i'm shit at this and it and it's only when you kind of start to kind of just chip away at those beliefs, you just realise that they're just they're just stories. They're just absolute yeah. crap that we told ourselves all this time, and they're not actually true. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what was going on. And I think it it was a lot of uh, practice, <laughs> practice, and putting in the work that we did, and making sure that I was actually doing the stuff that I said I would do. Well, what onto that note? What was it that made you decide to try coaching? Was there like a turning point for you? Yeah, I just felt like I tried everything on my own before. I'd done courses, I'd done watched videos, I'd read articles, I'd listened to podcasts, I'd had mentors, 
and I just needed something else. I needed someone to help me make decisions and someone who'd already done it before, which was one of the most important things for me, who could guide me in that industry, uh, not the industry, guide me in that direction, help me to make sense of what needs to happen and when, basically. And what would you say uh, when you, when we started working together and we started kind of like chipping away at all those, you know, shitty beliefs that we realized weren't actually true? And then we kind of got you to the point where you'd got your first coaching client. Tell us about like, what was that like? How did that, how did that come about and how did it feel? Well, at the time I was, had huge emphasis on, I need to make money. And I was terrified, even though I had savings. And because I'd always had, because I was Emily the marketer for a long time, for like 13 years, shifting to Emily with a new identity was very difficult. And I was like, I don't know how to make money any other way. So we started with, uh, I had to, I found a source of income that I could do with my eyes closed and that was really easy. But obviously getting, not getting clients, but like finding people to work with was like another thing completely for me. I didn't know what to do. But I did a lot of, I used your um, market validation surveys and stuff to figure out, to get people on calls basically and figure out if they would be someone I want to work with, if they want to work with me. And I also did a lot of uh, practice sessions for free whilst I was finishing my qualification. And I basically learned that I need to be a good coach to feel confident. That took time for me to realize. Yeah. And I, so I think to give context, so I mean, you, you, your source of income was you decided to go and you do some um, advisory consultancy in the yeah. marketing space that you were already doing, which is great. So it kind of took that, that pressure off, oh my God, I have to get my first client. And you were training to become a coach, which meant that you had to do lots of practice sessions, which was brilliant. And I remember you saying to me, I just need, I want to feel more confident. And I was like, just got to keep practicing. And you did. But then we got really, really clear, didn't we, on, you know, exactly, you know, what your kind of like life experience had been up until that point to really start honing in on your niche. You already had a bit of an idea of it. But when you started telling me your story of everything that you'd been through with your burnout and how passionate you were about the industry and wanting to change it, it became quite quickly quite clear that that was what your niche was going to be right yeah because I was really much like I feel like obviously with coaching we're not there to tell everybody what to do so I identified that there was a real problem and I thought well I can there's no one better to help those people who are going through burnout overwhelm being overworked than me and I can really get on the same level as them and help guide them in the right direction without being too without telling them what to do I can do it in like a in a questions way, asking them yeah. the right questions. And I felt like I relate more with women. So I work primarily with women. Sometimes men come to me and I'll see if it would work or not. But it's like the one guy here, I said, I don't know if it's going to work. I don't think our personality is me. So I actually had to turn one guy away because I prefer to work with women who are in a safe space and I can see them grow and um, help them through things. So I think sometimes with guys, it's not as easy. Yeah, yeah. And you mentioned earlier on, you mentioned the market validation piece. So just to, just to clarify, that's basically where we kind of, you get clear on your niche and we kind of put together this, what we call the shitty first draft of your, your offering. But then you actually go out and you find your ideal clients to go and talk to and actually talk to them about your offering, ask for their feedback, ask how much they'd be willing to pay for it. So talk to us a little bit more about that, how that worked for you. Yeah. So I messaged a lot of women who are already in my network um, and said, Hey, would you like to jump on a call with me for a free coaching session? Um, and we can, maybe I can help you with something. 
like whatever you're going through, whatever you're struggling with, doesn't have to be about work. We can talk about anything. Uh, just bring something to the table and we'll go through it. And so I asked them all the questions and by the end of it, um, a lot of the time they were the people who were like already kind of watching what I was doing a bit on like a few people came through the podcast and they were the ones who said yes to the market validation calls. And at the end of the call, like when I followed up, they're like, oh, actually, that's something I might like to do. It's great. Yeah, the market research can, I mean, in, in itself is, is, is just brilliant because the worst thing that I mean, I, and I've done it before and I've seen clients do it is kind of create something and just sort of take it to market without actually first checking that it's something that somebody mm-hmm. wants. But it happens so, it sounds really obvious, but it happens so yeah. often. But the, the added bonus that can happen is that when you do get these people on the calls and you, you have a rapport and you get on well and naturally the, they listen to what your offer is and they're like, yeah, this is great. When can we start kind of thing? So they yeah. can be, they can also work as kind of inadvertent client sort of lead generation, but they're great because there's, there's no selling involved. You're literally just having yeah. a conversation. So there's that no pressure to have those kind of like awkward discovery calls and stuff, which I know again, you know, discovery calls were also a bit of a tricky point for you. You struggled yeah. with them in the beginning, didn't yeah. you? I hated it. I still, sometimes I still do, but it's like when I take away the pressure that I know that this this isn't about money. This is about seeing if I can help another person and see if they're a right fit. Take the money off the table completely and focus on them and how I can help them figure something out. Yeah. And then if it works out and if they're happy, then maybe we think about it. So that's how I've been shifting things aside, following a template that you provided, like with the calls and helping people um, through a, a specific process. But I kind of have the, the, the questions in my head now and I go yeah. through it because I think I'm, I trip up when I try and read things like, yeah. personally, but some people manage a bit better when they read things. Yeah. And it's, it's totally different for each person. But I think the key thing, regardless of uh, whether you like to read things or you like to have it in your head is exactly what you said is that mindset piece of I'm not here to sell. I'm here to see if I can help this person and to see if they want to work with me. It's that it works both ways, basically. And it just removes all of that pressure, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that was what really helped me but yeah, that the market validation calls were awesome. And I found like in, at the same time we launched, I launched the podcast alongside working with you as well. That was the first thing actually, because I started the training and then the podcast was being recorded and everything. Um, and that's actually been a really great uh, lead generation tool. Yeah. So yeah. tell us a bit more about the podcast. So the podcast is a widerness. So the podcast is to help um, anybody thrive, anyone working in Web3 thrives, basically. And so I support anybody in the hierarchy of a company, um, anyone who's starting their own business, anyone who's participating, who wants to, like we say participating, it means they're an investor or something um, in the industry. And I talk about uh, randomly, like I used to plan out all the content and I feel like the ones that get the most traction are the ones where I'm just like downloading stuff. <laughs> I'm like, what? So I've been doing more of those kind of podcasts. Um, and so I just now um, talk about stuff like most of it leadership because I do a lot of leadership stuff because my industry specifically has got a bit of a problem with leadership. I talk a lot about um, imposter syndrome. I talk about burnout. I talk about my journey. It's all about like my journey through it, people that I've worked with, tools and tips that I can provide. Um, it's also about the, not, not necessarily making the industry easy to understand it's like bringing on people who can share their story but maybe they're in a a role that someone can resonate with so for example i brought in a general counsel of a huge huge tech company in web3 and she talked about um 
her, her leadership style and stuff. So it's like anything that anybody can learn and take away from the podcast and apply in their real life, basically. Amazing. So you got your you got your first paying client, you started your podcast. Mm-hmm. Where are you now with the coaching business in terms of the number of clients and what does the future look like for it? So I have five clients who have all renewed, which is amazing. And I'm just at the moment I've took because I've took the pressure off, I managed to save up a lot of money. So I don't have to worry for a year. Which was is a I, I recommend this to everyone. Have like a good buffer. Yes, carry on whatever else you want to spend, but make sure you're building that buffer. And that's really taking the pressure off. I still have the advisory, but if, if the push comes to shove and I don't have the advisory, I'm going to be fine. So now with the coaching business, I'm able to sit back and think, okay, what do I want to do? Like, do I want to do like a membership? Do I want to do a course? Do I want to do group coaching? Um, and I started a group coaching session, a pilot with London Tech Community and it's a group of Ukrainian women who have all had to move to London because of the war and um, I did a workshop with them on compassionate leadership in this space because there, there, there's a lot of overlap with them and Web3 and I said would you guys like be interested in coaching because I know at the moment you can't necessarily afford full-time coaching but let's just do it for free for now um, just to see I want to see if the model works for them um, so I'm just testing that right now I love that. And that's a real, another real sort of lesson or tip, I guess, isn't it? Is, mm-hmm. is kind of go where the opportunities are. Like you wouldn't have planned that a year ago if we'd spoken to each other, but it's no. kind of like just, okay, well, there's this group of people. What could I help them with? Let's just see if it works and just being really scrappy about it. Yeah, exactly. Like my tactic is literally get in front of other people who've got an audience that I could possibly support. Love it. That's it. That's my, that's my mission right now. <laughs> And in amongst all of this, you then decided to launch another business. Yeah. Yeah, that <laughs> Tell was, us that about was that. a crazy idea. Yeah, so whilst so I have a lots of ideas and I have to curb the shiny object syndrome a lot. I've stopped now. It's like we've got we've got two businesses, no more. But I had never been get had never got paid on time. Like literally the whole entire time I'd worked in Web3, which is seven years, hadn't been t- paid on time ever. I always and I, in our industry you're not employed. Unless you're working for the big companies, you're like always a contractor, an individual person. Um, and so I always had to invoice. And the invoices were like two weeks late, three weeks late. And it's like if you've got bills to pay or you're, you've got a big sum of money to pay or whatever, like it's, it doesn't work. You can't have this cash flow problem. And so um, I started talking to other people about this. I'm like, this can't just be me, right? Is anyone else getting paid late? And it's like, well, all of us are getting paid late. And especially those who are smaller. So like the freelancers, the developers, the designers, like for example, I have a designer who helps me out from back in the day when I used to work in a big exchange in Asia. And she, she messaged me and she's like, do you know these guys? Because I've been trying to chase payment for like a month. I'm like, are you joking? Like this is a younger girl. She doesn't have the authority to ask for payment. I was like, no, we should never have to do this. Like you've done the work, you've done it to a high standard, get paid. And I looked for solutions everywhere. And there's a lot of, um, web two, like, um, how would you call it like fiat uh, fiat <laughs> i use all this terminology you can do an escrow with something like escrow.com and escrow is basically where it holds an amount of money for a period of time okay so if you were to buy a house like in america this is how they do it you buy a house you put a deposit in an escrow nobody can touch the deposit and then it's released once the sale goes through if it's not it goes back to the person but it's like a security deposit and there isn't one. There's no solution to this. You've got something like Fiverr, you've got Upwork. They both have very high fees. This is why 
I decided to start building Payant. And you're, you were doing this whilst mm-hmm. training to be, well, coming to the end of your coaching qualification, mm-hmm. starting your coaching business, running a mm-hmm. podcast and doing the advisory work as well for two, <laughs> two clients I seem to recall. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember us having a very, you know, kind of like quite frank conversations about burnout and overwhelm. And obviously, yeah. you know, this is something that you're helping your clients with as well. Yeah. So like, how, how have you managed to do that without burning out? I just am very strict with my time. So at the, at the time when I was starting Payon, I was really stretched. I was like, how do I get this off the ground? I had this, I had the narrative, the money, I need to make money in the back because I was like, well, coaching, I need to take my foot off the gas. I need to like do that as a creative thing. Payon, I need to make money. And then I had to just take my foot off the gas of that and realize it's a business. It takes time. All Both businesses take time. It's not an overnight success story. That's not real reality. And so I delegated pay on to my fiance. So he is the co-founder of the company. He's the technical one. And honestly, all of the brunt, like the upfront work is technical. I can't do any marketing. I can't do any sales until it's built. Um, and all I started doing was talking to people about pay on. That was all I had to do. Just talk, have a conversation here, have a conversation there. I applied for, um, a pitch, like a startup pitch thing at Paris blockchain week. And I got into the top 20. Um, hadn't even launched business yet. <laughs> so I was like, this is awesome. Free publicity. I haven't even launched. And um, we did a wait list, but to valid, like to be honest, I did the, the wait list to validate if actually anyone wanted to use the product. And I got 255 signups. And I was like, so again, it's amazing. that kind of market research, you know, going out yeah. and kind of being scrappy and asking if somebody wants this thing before it's actually quite ready yet. Yeah, exactly. And we're still, uh, I would say 20 days off launch. That's the goal. Um, it's like the start of June, mid, mid June, but it's been tested. We've got people on one on one calls. Like I was very strict about having Antoine lead it all, but I'm basically like, I'm the dictator. This is what needs to happen. Antoine needs to have a call on this day. <laughs> Do it. But no, um, but he's really good at doing this stuff. So I was very determined to have one on one calls with people on that wait list. Ask them what the product was like. How did you experience it? Tell me what needs to change. Was it easy? And he took them through full product tours. Um, and now we're literally tweaking some things. Like we have to do something called an audit on the technical side, and then that's ready to roll. Amazing. So mm-hmm. you're doing that. You've got your coaching. You've got the podcast. You're still doing a bit of consultancy work. And in terms of the kind of the managing of your time, I remember we oh, had yeah. some quite good conversations around or productive conversations around you being very, very, very strict with yourself. Like, you know, today oh, I yeah. work on this and I'm not going to take any calls on this day. And this day is my working from on pay on day and actually just really, really structuring your time because it was the only way to do it, right? Yeah. It goes out the window sometimes because I've been going, I was telling you earlier, I've go, I've gone, yeah, I'm going through a health protocol at the moment. So it's like, well, I'm tired. So things have been moving around a bit more than usual. But usually Mondays are no call days most of the time. And then Fridays I have calls only on the morning. I have catch-ups with people that I do like my live with. And then that's it. That's rest of the day is pay on. And then Monday is business planning, not business plan, but content planning day. So yeah. podcasts, work, recording, all those. Um, and then on Thursday mornings, it's pay on. So I keep it very strict. Like it's literally followed similar to you, how you do the Sunday night planning. Yeah. I do that. Um, I take it to a next level now. It's like full on ABCs and I've got a whiteboard down here now with the top priorities for the week. And then that goes into like, I've got a bit of a system going. <laughs> That's good. It's a, bit, That's... Yeah, 
I'm, I'm here for it. I'm here for systems yeah. because, you know, it's not, especially if you're like trying to do run a business or two on the side of a, mm-hmm. you know, another job, it's a lot plus life, yeah. you know, plus you've got oh, family exactly. and things going on. You're planning a wedding. There's loads of stuff going on mm-hmm. and you literally have to compartmentalize things, don't you? Yeah. And if I don't cleanse, like I always, I have this concept of like cleansing and feeding your mind. So if you don't cleanse your mind, which is like meditation, going for long walks, doing stuff that doesn't require thinking. If you don't do that, then you're not able to feed your mind with learning, talking to people, all that kind of stuff. And so I focus a lot on cleansing the mind and I'm doing a lot of, it's a bit woo, but ecstatic dance at the moment, which is like moving your body anywhere it feels and dancing to like nice music. And I do deep meditations and yeah. So if I didn't do that, then I wouldn't be able to keep the structure, I don't think. I love that. I love that. Tell me, before we move on to the tips, I'm going to finish with the tips that you give to people. What were the things that you'd say if there were like mistakes that you made along the way or kind of like challenges that you struggled with? Um, I think the biggest challenge is focusing so much on the money when it comes to this. Mm. And I would say the, the way to not focus on the money is to get something to cover your ass to start with. Like getting that, the bills covered at least. Or don't quit your job if you don't need to quit your job, right? And making sure you can then allocate your time. Because I think for me, it was like, at first I was like, no, I don't want a job. I don't want to go and get money. And then I had to switch the perspective. Like, no, this is going to fuel me to build the business. So I need to go and get some advisory work because I don't want to drain my savings. And that was a really good, good decision because that helps to fund the build of pay on, which is way more expensive than the coaching business. <laughs> Um, and yeah, so that was one thing that was like a challenge. And I would say, yeah, like what, what was another challenge, most biggest challenge? Trying to, trying to do too much of what everyone else is doing, I think. Looking at everybody else, looking at that coach, that coach, they're too more, they're too experienced. No, sorry, they're more experienced than me. And like really remembering that just look at the person who's maybe one step ahead, learn from them. Yeah, it's so tricky, the comparisonitis thing and the kind mm-hmm. of looking at everybody else out there and going, oh my God, they're so amazing. They've got 10 years more experience yeah. than me. Who's going to pay me is is debilitating. Mm-hmm. Some people don't even get started because yeah. of that, which exactly. breaks my heart. Yeah, I literally now put blinkers on. I don't use social media. At all. I think we were talking about this before. I do not use social media. I have blinkers on. I have my LinkedIn. I talk to people all day long on LinkedIn. But I try and move them towards calls. Instagram and TikTok are like, I've shifted those to my brother. <laughs> so he's helping me do that. And yeah, don't think about anything else. My podcast is number one because it actually brings in qualified clients who, like my, my first two clients were from the podcast. Amazing. So, so it must have had good SEO when I first launched it or something. I don't know. <laughs> I need to keep increasing that. But um, yeah, and so that was like the best, the best way of doing it. Amazing. And what would you say to flip it then? What would you, what would be the three tips that you'd give to other women who are in the same boat as you? They're miserable in their nine to five. They're just dreaming of running their own business. What tips would you give them? Get really clear on the goal, like the mission about why you want to leave this job. If it's just for money, then you need to think again. You need to think about how's it going to benefit your life and um, how you're going to feel and what like, and for me, the biggest thing is the freedom and flexibility of doing what you want when you want. And I found that I actually, that was another challenge. I moved into from employee mindset. It was more like I was a contractor. So I was like constantly trying to prove myself and like get results. And I kept that kind of mindset and I just continued to work that way. So I think realizing and setting it really early 
sorry, setting the rules early in terms of what are your non-negotiables? What do you actually want your days to look like? That would be the second tip. And I mean, is that one tip? <laughs> I don't know. Another tip would be, let me have a think. Yeah, non-negotiables. Don't just lose for the money and make sure that you're financially covered before you leave, definitely. Because as much as you can have scarcity mindset, it's a different problem when you are not meeting your needs. So some people do just, like I know people who are constantly telling me that they are broke. I don't spend too much time with these people. but <laughs> um, And I would like to say to them, which I don't, maybe you should just get a job and stop trying to kill yourself so you can actually build a business that fulfills you. Yeah, it's so true, isn't it? And I think it's very difficult when you are miserable in your job and you just want to get out. I mean, I, I was the similar thing, you know, I, I, I and, and you can, you can use it as fuel to get you out of there. Mm-hmm. But I, I agree with you. If you can transition into another role or even another company yeah. where it's less pressure, you hate it a little bit less and it's there. Um, I always sort of say to people, like, can you try and see it as like the biggest investor in your business as opposed mm-hmm. to, I think we talked about this, as opposed yeah. to like, my God, I hate that I have to give them eight hours of my day. Actually, yeah. I'm giving them eight hours because they're investing in my business. Yeah, and actually, exactly. it just kind of flips that script, doesn't it? Yeah, that really helps, definitely. But yeah, it's uh, it's very interesting launching your own business. And it's like, it takes time to feel like you're actually an entrepreneur. Yeah. You don't want to go back ever. So that's the fuel. <laughs> yeah, once you've tasted yeah. that freedom and that flexibility yeah. and that that feeling of like just doing work that means something and that just lights you up every day, the thought of even going back to being told what to do and doing mm-hmm. work that just, you know, sucks yeah. your soul yeah that's Just my biggest drive exactly yeah. yeah oh well thank you so much emily for sharing your story today it's You're been welcome. an absolute pleasure to have you here you and too. it's just an inspiration to see that you've not only gone and pivoted you've gone and started two businesses you've got this podcast you're planning a wedding in the background as well like you're an absolute superwoman <laughs> so we're all we're all bowing down to you right now so lovely i loved all your questions oh great thank you so much thank you so that's all i've got for you today as always thank you for listening and don't forget to drop me a review and rating and to hit that subscribe button wherever you get your podcast and you can head over to instagram at lauren leopold the coach for daily content on how to start and build that side business and quit your nine to five i'll see you next time